Reconstructionist Radio presents The War Room, where we discuss tactics for strategic Christian living. What's up, y'all uh, family? We have a special war room, boots on the ground, roundtable edition, boots on the ground with Joe Salon. I am live in Southern California from an undisclosed location, you know, because we got to meet in these kind of locations because we have, we are, uh, we have been, uh, we're the army that's gathering. That, that, that 300 that are gathering in these pockets. We are the pockets of resistance to the ecclesiastical tyrants and the tyrants of the secular state. And so I'm here, blessed to be here in an undisclosed location in Southern California with my abolitionist brothers, with my uh, Christian Reconstructionist brothers. Uh, I have with me uh, uh, Brother Nick Perez. I also have with me uh, Brother... Alex Holoko, and I have with me as well uh, Tony Canone. And hey, stand up, uh, uh, young recons, abolitionists. Say what's up uh, uh, to our audience. We have uh, Geronimo. Geronimo, ra- ra- raise your hand. Uh, and then we also have Michael, the rising generation. Uh, they're not inside of the humanistic incubation centers, they're on the sidewalks of the humanistic incubation centers, explaining to the rising generation how they're being lied to, how it is not the role of the pagan state to educate, how it is the role of the family. Uh, Education falls under the uh, auspices of the family, uh, under the dominion of the family, and these kids are out there swinging the gospel, the acts of Jesus Christ, outside of the humanistic incubation centers. Hey, what what shirt is that that you're uh, you're wearing back there, Geronimo? Uh, Ignore row. Ignore row? Courts don't make laws, huh? courts do not make laws so we defy the federal beast the supreme court has perverted the constitution so today our topic and we're just going to have a round table about this topic our topic is going to be what does normative christianity look like and one of the statements that we all embrace as reconstructionists and abolitionists don't argue with this One of the statements that we all embrace as a statement about reality uh, is is uh, is Van Til's statement where he says that culture is religion externalized. Culture is religion externalized. And we all understand that, as Rush Dooney says, the source of law is the God of the culture, determining ethics, determining right and wrong. So the externalized religion in our culture today is humanism, is humanism. And so when abortion takes place, when child sacrifice takes place, it's taking place because lawlessness has been established in this land. And what is being practiced is human sacrifice to the God of the age. The Moloch state always requires human sacrifice. And in an area where there weren't any servants of King Jesus, we should totally expect to see the fruit of the culture be humanism. We shouldn't expect to see anything else. 
Like, for example, if we transported ourselves back to uh, ancient uh, uh, Canaan or, uh, you know, ancient Moab, uh, you know, we went back to ancient Egypt or something like that, uh, we should expect to see pagan practices in the public square as codified lawlessness in the culture. However, if we are in a place where there are 80 million Christians, self-professing Christians, where there is a sprawl, like 100,000 so-called churches under uh, you know, acceptable denominations, whatever you, you know, say that is, um, where there's billions of bucks poured into Bible colleges and seminaries and, and, and everywhere you go, you cannot, I mean, football players put, uh, you know, scripture verses underneath their eye black and they got tattoos with scripture verses. And there is Christianity. There is, there is a alleged Christianity all over the place. Yet we live in a culture that sacrifices one image bearer of God to the idol of Moloch state every 30 seconds. Every 30 seconds. We live in a culture where the rising generation is expected to be incubated with the doctrine of neutrality in the humanistic schools. It's just expected. And it is expected that the neighbor, that our neighbors can be defrauded in violation of the law of God for their property taxes their property theft to fund this project of incubating the rising generation with the religion of humanism. Now, if you preach this from a pulpit in most churches, you're going to lose your pulpit if you're a pastor, or I should say pastor, because the thesis here is what's being practiced in our culture is not biblical Christianity. It's not what is to be called normative Christianity at all. Because if normative Christianity was practiced, we would see the fruit of it manifesting in the institutions of the culture, especially with this mass of, of believers, of, of professing Christians, of institutional churches in place. And so when there is no effect on the culture, what we learn from Scripture is that it's the effect of the lampstand being removed. This is the lightless lampstand. So there may be a show of religion. There may be the right words being preached at a given time. There may be prayer circles. There may be homeless feedings. There may be money going to missions, so on and so forth. Yet, when the effect, because only the Spirit of God can change a culture. When the effect is not there, there is something missing. Justice and righteousness, the foundations of the throne of God, are being neglected. I hear the most, the most awful assaults against the, against the law of God. Not from the, the, the atheists. I hear the most awful assaults against the law of God, the most disgusting attacks on theonomy, come from the religious leaders in the ministry industrial complex. If you want a good moral monster argument, go to one of these pastors who are warning you about theonomy. Go. Because if the law of God was honored and practiced as the standard for society in every single area of life, if Christians presuppose that there's no justice 
outside of the law of God, we would see something radical going on. And right now, today, all we have is radical lawlessness. And so I have these great brothers who joined me for this special section, a session of Boots on the Ground out here in Cali. And uh, I'd like to talk about how many of y'all knew that there was a mission to Seattle that occurred abolitionists, and this happened, uh, what, what, what was this? This is the end of August, uh, September. September 29th. September 29th. 28th and 29th. A group of about 175 or 100 abolitionists descended on the city of Seattle with the acts of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were there for three days preaching the gospel, using the abortion genocide as a touch point to say that this is what happens when the religion of humanism is allowed to flourish and normative Christianity is to confront that idol with the acts of the gospel of God. And the project was actually called All Gods Must Die. And it was an assault on the idols. So you can go to allgodsmustdie.com, uh, check that out. Um, but one of the main questions that abolitionists have been fielding regarding this mission where they went to Seattle and they went and preached the gospel and, and held signs and passed out literature and just were bold Christians in the culture, went to the coffee shops, drank the coffee. And that was probably the most bold thing y'all did was, was drink that coffee. Right. You yes. know what I mean? Like who knows what that, what they put in that coffee. Right. Yeah, that's good coffee there though. It's some good coffee. Yeah. No, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, yeah, straight up. Um, so, but one of the things that, that the abolitionists have been fielding the most, one of the questions they've been fielding the most is, is like, wow, you know, this is just an amazing thing that y'all did. That y'all are called to do this. This is incredible. Thank you for your bravery. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, our church will plan something like this next year or something like that. And that totally misses the point because the point is, what went down in Seattle in the All Gods Must Die mission is normative Christianity. That is what every city in our country should look like every single day during an abortion holocaust. That is what it should look like. If every single city looked like that every single day, how fast do you think abortion would end? Absolutely. Absolutely. A bottom-up approach, a, that is revival. Obedience to the Word of God, that is re revival. So I'm going to ask the brothers here represented from that mission is uh, Brother Alex and Brother Tony, and, and, and they're going to talk a little bit uh, about that mission. I'd like to read from Acts chapter 17, uh, verses 6 through 7, or verses 5 through 7. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. And what is it about Christianity that flips the world upside down. What is it about normative Christianity when practiced 
that just cannot coexist with the worldview of death side by side. One of them must go. These Christians went into Thessalonica. They went into Athens. They went into these cities throughout the ancient Roman Empire. Rome itself, the heart of the beast. And where they went, the opposition rose up to confront these believers who said, we don't have Caesar as king. There is no king but Jesus. And justice is established not on the whim and the whims of a tyrant or, or majority rule or, or a majority vote in the Senate or the House or, 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 so, or a 5-4 vote on the Supreme Court or we need to appeal to a tyrant to, to, to overturn the ruling of another tyrant. But no, no, no. Justice the time for justice is now, and it's established based on the law of God, and we demand it now. Now, that message is an axe to the root message, and it's not just limited to the child sacrifice centers and the abortion genocide. In order to overturn abortion, we need to defeat the worldview or the idol behind abortion. We need to, to, to take the high place and tear it down. You're not just going to get rid of the individual sacrifices to the high place. You need to take the axe to the root of the idol. So that's why this, this mission was called All Gods Must Die. And so, Tony, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you come up to the mic, uh, mic first real quick here. So, Tony, why don't you, uh, what was the highlight of the, uh, of, the Seattle, of the Seattle mission for you? What was your favorite favorite moment up there and communicate uh, to uh, to believers who would say, you know, Tony, you know, thank you for your specially called to do it. Thank you for your bravery. What would you, your response to that question be? So your highlight up there and what would be your, your, your response to somebody praising you for that mission? Well, the mission went, uh, there were those that went before us that prepared the ground, uh, began to uh, till the soil to uh, prepare for the mission, uh, a lot of people throughout the United States were making the origami butterflies uh, that were preparing to do, uh, you know, the secretive, what do you call it? Uh, the, uh, well, they were seeding. They were, they were, they were yeah. seeding the, the yeah. culture already preparing it for us to, to come up there. So it's not like we went in cold turkey. We had brothers and sisters that were, uh, again, from all over the nation, that were making up these butterflies, and uh, I'm sure you can watch that if you uh, uh, go to the web, sure. the tenth mark and stuff like that. Anyway, a lot of abolitionists were already getting the butter, these Ogami butterflies. I don't know if anybody's got that on their shirt tonight, but they don't. Uh, and uh, folks in the Seattle area went out and uh, just dropped them all throughout the city. And uh, some major locations. Yeah, and so and so the town's already on fire. They know something is going to happen on this specific date, right? right? And then y'all show up. What was what was it like when you first when you first put boots on the ground out there in Seattle for King Jesus? What what was it like? Uh, well, first we weren't alone. Yeah, we had uh, like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ, so we met up, uh, slept in different areas. <clears throat> of, uh, what do they call those places? apartments? Apartments, B and B, Airbnbs that were uh, already signed up for us. A lot of people, my, uh, well, he probably want, doesn't want me to give him glory, but somebody gave, uh, uh, paid for me to go up there, and because uh, I wasn't able to afford to go up there, but once up there, uh, <coughs> we had times of prayer, fasting. Of course, a lot of us fasted. We had people praying throughout the nation for us for this mission. 
And uh, it was just getting out there. I mean, once you read um, the track, is it okay yeah. if I show the... Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hold on just a second. A- a- absolutely. You know, so... Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so they they hit the they hit the block up there after the preparation had already been the groundwork had been laid with the origami butterflies that had a date on it that said all gods must die on the butterfly and so the pagans knew something was coming and you notice what Tony said they're fasting they're praying and then they're going out uh, and they're going to go upset the kingdom of the idols I mean this sounds like normative Christianity doesn't it this I mean if you read your New Testament. This kind of sounds like what it is. Not, not. Hey, check your. Make sure you visit your religious club on Sunday morning. Participate in the sem, in the in the ceremony. Make sure that you uh, don't pass the agape box on your way out, or the usher is going to look at you. Drop something in the agape box, and make sure your online giving is correct. You know, uh, go through your. You know, make sure that your your uh, uh, your cookie and juice ritual, your cracker and juice ritual goes good. I mean, th- that you know that that all at best is secondary to what brother Tony is describing right here. So, so let's go ahead and see this. Uh, oh, this, 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 this track, this, this quad fold is brutal. So they went out there, they went out there in Seattle and uh, goodness. And that's what they were. They were passing this out. This is the oppressed person in the culture of death. So you have the, the, obviously the, uh, uh, the secularists, have perverted the the sign of the rainbow, uh, which is obviously a covenantal promise to to be you know a sign of something in you know according to the law of God uh, that's subversive of the of family government homosexuality subversive of family government and so that is portrayed here on this quadfold and the blood is the the oppressed person look at this that is the oppressed person in our culture of death and. If it is, who is it up to, to show, to establish justice? Do you know that those, that those, uh, uh, those humanists in the city of Seattle probably never have had a Christian, in all the churches that are in Seattle, probably never have had a Christian come up to them and say, this is what is going on in your backyard. If you don't warn the wicked, the blood is on your hands, and the blood is dripping off of their hands. And you what? You went. You went. And you warned the wicked, right? So, so follow up Basically, on that a little bit. Well, it's uh, of course I've been doing this for for quite some time, but uh, initially people were kind of just uh, astounded, like, what are these guys all about? And uh, but as they started to see our shirts, it engendered some conversation. Some people shied away from us. They they thought, "Who are these Jesus freaks?" And uh, but there were some good conversations gendered uh, at first. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there were quite a few of us. From what I heard, between sixty and seventy people at different times. And uh, so we we went out in teams. None of us were alone. And so we had people covering our backs. And it was uh, I, I was excited. Because this this particular pamphlet, those that put it together, you know, I don't need to mention names. They they know who they are. God bless you, each and every one of you. But the gospel message on the back of this thing is just solid, and um, and that's that's what has gotten me into the fight. Uh, I I was a pro-lifer for many years. Um, back in the eighties, uh, Keith and Melody Green uh, started this fight. And uh, used to pass out their materials and stuff like that. But I didn't have 
I, I was a pro-lifer. I was just seeing it as just rescuing babies. I didn't realize that the gospel had the, the power of the gospel to change lives was what needed to be presented, not just bringing out, uh, uh, showing what, you know, the babies, you know, feeling pain or, or uh, whether they're viable or not. Um, I didn't see the picture rightly. Uh, what, is it okay to share a little bit about what got me into? Oh, fight? of course, or, yeah. This this is a absolutely. There. Hey, you know, no, no. We're on the spirit's time, the spirit of God. Like, I, and yeah, I'm, I, I'm. Hey, I'm just Joe Salon, man. I, this, yeah, I, I just brought the mic, man. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I knew back then, uh, especially when I saw Melody Green present on in national TV uh, to to Ronald Reagan, our president at the time, uh, these dead babies. And, uh, of course, even as a pagan, when I wasn't raised a Christian, the Lord didn't save me till, uh, I was 20 years old, but even prior to being a Christian, I would hear friends of mine, girlfriends come up and say, Hey, I'm <coughs> carrying your fetal tissue. No, no, they didn't say that. They said, I'm pregnant with your baby. And even as a non-believer, God had already, by His grace, put it in my heart that these are babies. You know, they're not—they're not, they're not a, a clump of cells. They're not something that we can terminate. They're—they're they're a baby. So, getting into the the pro-life movement that I did, you know, we started started out with trying to get parental consent, you know, so that uh, children under eighteen had to let their parents know at least that they, you know, uh, are going in for this procedure. Um, I knew it was a baby. Uh, it was great to see that what, what Melody Green was doing, and it got me in part of the fight. But the perspective on the gospel, I wanted to read a, a verse um, and uh, get my phone going the right way here. Uh, it's in Romans. Hold on just a second. I got to pull it up. Remember with the power of the gospel in Corinthians. Let me see if I can get it. Oh, no, it's in Romans. I'm sorry. Romans chapter 116 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And as I began to see, and, and uh, I'm going to be right up front, the, the video uh, documentary I saw that really pushed me further into the fight um, we, we prior to really getting involved, we did we did these booths. Uh, I, I was in a, a, a Southern Utah Coalition for Life. We had a booth like every month, and we had the fetal models uh, uh, set up, and we had balloons. You know, when does life or a, ch a child is a life, and it was it was all the positive stuff. Didn't have the perspective of what the law of God applied, you know, that was murder, that you're actually murdering a, a child in the womb when you take a life. We just we just wanted to save babies. Well, you got to understand, Tony, you know, everybody's a victim in this thing. OK, so everybody's a victim as long as look, as long as everyone's a victim, including the baby, the, the murderer on one side, all the murderers are victims and as well as the baby. You know, as, as long as as long as there's no actual perpetrator to be held accountable, you're fine in the culture of humanism. So, 
you realize that was no no way to fight it. You became an abolitionist. You, you find yourself out there. And the difference between an abolitionist and a pro-lifer is just it's it's very simple. Pro-lifer's goal is to save babies using humanistic techniques, any means necessary, utilitarian ethics, so on and so forth. In other words, use the weapons of humanism to take down the monster of humanism. But if you beat humanism with humanism, you are still left with humanism. So, uh, And you're going to still be left with the same sacrifices to the god of humanism. So Brother Tony realizes this, realizes that the only way you're going to fight this thing to the glory of God is as an abolitionist, as someone who's taking the acts of the gospel, the kingdom of God, and is not compromising with this idol, is not taking the bait, not taking the bait of the 20 week bill or whatever other kind of thing. And is, and is swinging this thing as an ax to the root type of type of uh, uh, strategy. Then he finds himself out there just with another, just with a group of abolitionists, like-minded brothers. You could just say Christians up there practicing normative Christianity in the city of Seattle at the end of uh, at the end of September out there. And so was there anything what would you say to somebody who is uh, who, who says, you know, Tony, you know, that's that's just tremendous that you did this mission. Like, I can't. Awesome. I no, wish I could do no, that. What would you no, say no, to no, someone no, like no, that? No, I'm just a regular Joe. Uh, no, you're Joe. I'm sorry. I'm Tony. Uh <laughs> No different than anybody else. Uh, once, and I, I wanted to mention one thing when I watched that documentary, and I know some folks might not like that documentary. I, I, I balked a little bit. Babies are murdered here. I think it was a really good documentary. There's a few things you could, you know, uh, eat the fruit, spit out the seeds. Anyway, uh, but Rusty Thomas, Brother Rusty Thomas, on that video when he presented the doctrine of national blood guilt, is that the proper term that he talks yeah, he, about? The, uh, yeah, not, not totally from a yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and one of the things during, I mean, that, that whole message uh, was just was excellent. He also did it for uh, on an abolitionist uh, one of the uh, God versus Man conference, and he's done he's done this uh, throughout the years. Uh, Brother Rusty Thomas um, has been in the fight for many years. He was even with Operation Rescue, went to prison uh, or jail quite a few times. Uh, anyway, as watching that, and when he, one of the things that just just shook me to the core and made me realize that we can actually win this battle was when he said, uh, "Saints, come on, let's do this. We can do this. God, or Jesus promised the gates of hell will not prevail against the church." Amen. Amen. And I was like, "Wait a minute! I, I was raised in this. Uh, is it okay to mention theological?" Absolutely, stuff. smash okay. on them. You know what I mean? Like I, I went to, I went to a, yeah. a liberal, seeker-sensitive church. You know, God loves you. You know, just believe on Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You're going to heaven. Very little law presented to bring me to the point where I really re- needed to realize that I spurned a holy God. I spit in His face. I deserved hell. Okay. I went to a lot of these other churches, you know, use your grace, grace, God loves you, you're saved, you know, just celebrate your salvation. Uh, I was even a worship leader uh, for 20 years, okay? Sung a lot of positive songs, um, some of them not so positive, but anyway, didn't realize that we could actually win this battle. I, I, I was a dispensational for a lot of years, Dis- dispensation, believed in dispensational theology. We were going to, we're on a sinking ship. Why polished brass on a sinking ship? 
we're not going to win, win the cultural battle. Let's just get out and get people saved. Okay. But until I heard Brother Rusty mentioning that, and I, I have to apologize. I don't think it was on the Babies of Murder here. I think it's on one of his other videos on uh, Operation Save America's website. But he's like, this coach is going, hey, we can win this battle. God's promised us that we can win this battle with the power of the gospel. And we will. And all it takes is for Christians to rise up. Uh, Alex, um, talk a little bit about, um, and this, this is my man, uh, Alex Holoko. Talk a little bit about the fight out there in uh, in Seattle. What was kind of like a highlight of the fight for you? Um, yeah, so I got introduced to go out to Seattle um, by Robert Krause. Robert Krause had been in touch with um, uh, Russell Hunter, and they went out on a pre-mission. They kind of scoped out the area, walked miles upon miles, uh, taking a look at the city and some of the things that they're that the city trusts in some of the. Uh, some of the idols of that city is particularly uh, the pride of the LGBTQ community. And, and um, after they came back, Robert's like, Hey, you got to go on this mission. He's like, we're going to go into this city. It's dark. Uh, it's a dark city. And, and we got to go in there and shed light on it. And so, you know, I was a little hesitant. Um, and I was kind of a, still an early abolitionist. Um, you got to understand I'd come from, North Carolina to, to the LA area. And, um, I was told that AHA was full of a bunch of, uh, heretical, it was a cesspool of heretics. And so I stood from a distance and some of you guys know Jeff Maples and the pulpit and pen. And I, I did a lot of street preaching with Jeff, um, on, the, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he's like, they're, you know, stay away from them. They warned me when I came out here, I got to know, um, Arnold, I got to know Saad. I got to know Brother Tony here. And I started warming up. I was like, hey, these are real brothers. These are these are professing believers. And I was amazed uh, at the slander that was happening. And so I, I went forward, you know, you know, in full, after thinking about it and praying about it, uh, one of my prayers is always to the Lord, um, you know, who, who are the least of these? Because at the end of the day, um, it isn't going to be a theological quiz. Um, it, it's not going to be about how much knowledge you have, but Jesus is going to say whatever you have done or whatever you haven't done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so abolitionists, first and foremost, don't go out on behalf of ourselves. Um, we're, we're out to, to, to raise a voice for the voiceless, to love our neighbors ourselves, And it's got nothing to do with us. Um, but we are the church. And you got to think about why, why, why were you saved? What is the point? of you being saved? Uh, why were you sealed with the Holy Spirit? Why were you enlightened to understand the word of God? Uh, we, we carry a, a heavy stewardship um, of God. Uh, we carry the words of life, um, literally the words of life that's able to resurrect a soul and, and bring them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so uh, it convinced me. And I said, I said, you know, I went around, I did a lot of church hopping. You can ask your churches, if you guys, if you're a true Christian and you're going on a Sunday to Sunday, you know, hamster wheel at these churches, um, I'm kind of setting the stage before Seattle to, to, to show where I'm. Yeah, I'm go, keep it rolling, man. Keep it rolling. So, hey. <laughs> so I just want to make sure I'm not going off, off track. Keep but it the, rolling, but man. the point yeah. is, if you're, if, you know, if you were saved and you're in on a, on a hamster wheel from Sunday to Sunday, go up to your, your churches and ask, what are they doing uh, for orphans and widows? You see throughout scripture, 
the, the God's heart is always for the least of these, always for the sojourner, always for the widows and, and the orphans. And, and if you look, uh, you know, at the at the Holocaust that we're in, it's truly the preborn neighbor who is oppressed. So, you know, after a lot of prayer and thought and, and Robert Krauss and I, we went back and forth, sharpening each other up. Uh, I was convinced to go. I was convinced to go. And so we we show up to Seattle. I don't know. I know like two, two, three abolitionists. You know, I don't know Toby. I don't know uh, Russ. Um, I don't know these guys. I was the one that almost uh, blew, messed up the whole mission. I was this, I was a skinhead political activist ah! that that almost uh, uh, not a skinhead. It, 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 it's, a, it's a yeah. Well, just a joke. Uh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. If anybody uh, was in that case, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Inside thing, yeah. So yeah. I didn't know any of these abolitionists. Um, so this is my first time ever going to meet any of these any of these brothers and sisters, but man, when we met together, it was it was nothing but sincere passion, uh, passion for uh, the glory of Christ. Uh, we were we were uh, we were like soldier, soldiers. We were mission minded um, to go into this culture. There was no extra talk. Uh, we were uh, we were focused. We we're laser sharp. We know what our mission is. We're not on here on our behalf, but we have a a weight and stewardship that we got to carry and bring into this culture. And so um, we went in, in packs of, of 10, 10, 12 into these coffee shops. You know, the first day was okay. Obviously, we're up to something. We're wearing all the same T-shirts. We're marching down these roads um, to the coffee shop. We're stickering, um, you know, the, the place up with stickers, Proverbs 16, 18, you know, that says pride goes before stumbling. And so we show up to these coffee shops, and the first day is okay, but, you know, so we're purposely coming to the coffee shop, and then we look for places where we can sit. We don't want to all sit in one little corner, but we want to sit and talk to a stranger. And, and, uh, and they immediately know what we were up to. Uh, they get angry with us. They fuss. Uh, but we're like, hey, we're, we're here to love you. We want to tell you that, that there is hope, that you can, be, you, can, you can receive the gift of salvation, that you can turn from darkness and be called out of it into the light of Jesus Christ and walk in the truth. Like our, our burdens for their soul um, while we're out there exposing this and, and, you know, agitating and stirring them up into thinking, what is the truth? Why are you, why do you exist? You're created for the glory of God to worship him and give him honor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the trip was, it was amazing. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was incredible when you see these saints um, gathered together, uh, working hard. Everybody pulled their own money together. Uh, it didn't cost us much money to do this thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it, was just, it was just incredible. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, do you think that that's basically like normative Christianity or was that a special event for you? Uh, it, this was a special event, but I'm a, I, I go out into the streets and I preach <coughs> this should be normal Christianity, the question that we always ask is, uh, what does it mean to be the church, right? And, and there's a lot of Christians that are in these uh, institutional churches that are burdened because they think well, there's something else. There's got to be something else to it. There's got to be something else. It, this just can't be it. 
So wait a second. You mean attending two religious services a week and giving 10% of your money to your local pope? I mean, your local pastor? You mean that's, uh, and, and you know, like participating and having somebody fence the sacraments for you to make sure that you're a Christian? Yeah. That's not really, uh, that's that's not normative Christianity? That's not going to change the culture? That's not going to change You mean it's actually getting out there, putting boots on the ground, communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ? putting the axe to the root of the idolatry and the injustice in our society? Yeah. Did you receive some hate out there? We received a lot of hate, you know, but we were... Were you physically it. attacked? No, I wasn't physically attacked. There were we some of them that were physically attacked, right? Physical attack, yeah. Yeah. We were expecting it, you know? Yeah. You were expecting it. You, 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 you bring the light into darkness, you're going yeah. to get it. I'll tell you what, though. If there's any pagans that are watching this... Um, you got to watch which Christians you attack because because not all of us are pacifists. You know what I mean? Like if you attack like a Christian reconstructionist, there's there is a chance that they will lovingly put, put lovingly put some paws on you in the name of Jesus, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, to help calm down the situation or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be out of hatred or whatever. You know, I'm not saying all Christian recons. Yeah, some of them are going to take the abuse. Some of them are not. You know, so, hey, anyway, whatever. I'm acting silly. So, um, but look, you know, from start to finish. For, yeah, and it is. It is right. Tony. Love your enemies. It's just a joke. I'm, you know, I said, well, lovingly put, lay hands on you. Yeah, lovingly lay hands on you. But look, um, this was a normative Christianity type of mission. The, the thing with this mission was supposed to be that, this is what it looks like. What if what if this happened in every single city every single day? We have the Christians to be able to do it. It's not every single Christian would have to go out every single day. I mean, people have lives. People have to exercise dominion and bring in resources for their house and so on and so forth. But we have enough Christians in this culture, allegedly, where even if 5% participated maybe one day out of every two weeks in something like this, this whole thing would be turned on its head, and all it would take is obedience, just obedience. And the reason why Alex mentioned the you know AHA being marked out as a cult, and and the the, the most ardent opponent of abolitionists who are out there establishing justice outside of the covering of the local church. In other words, they didn't ask Richard if they could be out at the school on Monday morning preaching the gospel. Right. Um, it is a big threat to the power structure, because if this is normative Christianity, then it means there cannot be any complicity with idols in any single area of life. And it is expected to be modeled from the pulpit on down because leadership in true Christianity comes from service. It comes from modeling it. It comes from serving the least of these. So what does that say for a pastor or an elder who is big on a ritual obedience, but is very small on establishing justice for the least of these in society, whether it's in the abortion genocide, the humanistic incubation centers, the police, the lawlessness enforcement agents, immigration, creating the same law for the foreigner as for the homeborn. If you're not an elder at the gates establishing justice, how are you going to be an elder over an abolitionist or someone like that who has boots on the ground? So, of course, of course, it's got to be attacked. Of course it does at the end of the day. And we're not calling for the abolition of elders. We're calling for elders to rise up. We're calling for real biblical elders to get their boots on the ground to do this thing, 
because we can take this land. We can exercise dominion. All this belongs to Jesus. We can footstool these enemies. But instead, the para-kingdom religious club tyrants would rather try to footstool the abolitionists. Much easier that way. Much less responsibility. A lot more money in the agape box in the back. So that is why this is just normal. I just these are just normal brothers and, uh, brothers in the Lord. This is the rising generation on the couch in the back. I'm about to bring up to this microphone my man Nick Perez, just a rising scholar, and somebody who is who's. And guess where guess where he was taught? Guess where he was taught? Seminary. I went to seminary. I have a master's in practical theology. You can check my boots on the ground uh, edition about the seminaries and, and how much that seminary degree and master, master's of practical theology has helped me in practical theology. Absolutely squat. This man learned his theology in prison. This man learned his theology in prison. And your boy, I mean, Joe Salon, I've been a recon, you know, uh, a fully committed uh, to the lordship of Christ over all areas of life, uh, you know, for, for a year now. I mean, I dabbled a little bit here and there earlier, but really just committed abolitionist, reconstructionist for a year now. And this has been, this guy, Nick Perez, has been a resource to me. So, Nick, I, I'd like to, like to invite you up to the microphone here in this session. We're kind of, you know, uh, sharing this area in the hotel room. you got to excuse us because we do not have a fancy show. All we have is just brothers in, in, in the Lord and sisters in the Lord, uh, you know, ready to sw- swing the axe for Christ. I got, we have this blue mic, blue podcast mic, Amazon.com, 160 bucks. I don't have a fancy studio audience. But what we do have is boots on the ground. And we do have the fact that we will not compromise with these idols of the age, period. That we, even if you're some kind of special ministry, industrial complex figurehead or pope, and you want to have us, you want to discuss something with us, and you want to give us a platform, if it costs us compromising the word of God, the law of God in every single area of life, if we have to validate unrighteous, wicked decrees, if we have to validate theological presuppositions to kick justice and the victory of God into the mythical future, we'll say, nah, we'll stand here right here behind this microphone, just those no name, no, no you know, team, no name, no face, just out there for, for the glory of God. Because there ain't nothing special about Joe Salon. Y'all can see me and, and understand that there is nothing special whatsoever about Joe Salon. So, so Nick, look, break this down for us, man. What is your experience with, um, with, so reformed Christianity, reformed Christianity, reformed Christianity is supposed to be like, if you look back throughout history, the founding of America, the founding of the, of, of Western civilization of Christendom, whether it's in Western Europe, America, really kind of started around Calvin with reform principles. Reformed is like supposed to mean city on a hill. What is what does reformed Christianity look like today as opposed to what real reformed Christianity is supposed to be? First of all, you call me a scholar. The last thing I am is a scholar, but thank God I did learn a ton in prison. I had thousands of hours since I was kidnapped and, and held captive for all these years, yeah. um, according to... To the godless state, I was a criminal because I had weapons and controlled substances, which I wouldn't have now as a Christian, nevertheless. But I had a lot of time to study God's word. And more specifically, to be honest with you, Reformed Christianity, I had a lot of time to study soteriology. Because according to our, our 
church culture today, that's what Reformed theology really is, right? It's soteriology. It wasn't really until I got on Facebook and I started getting around with regular brothers and sisters like this who are talking about what real Christianity is. I'm learning now about the full body of truth and how that comes into play in your everyday regular Christian's life. Man, my brothers here touched me talking about just their boots on the ground, right? Them going out there and and, and doing what Christianity is supposed to look like. And I'm learning from them. Um, the scholar that you might want me to be, I'm, 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 I want to be like my brothers here, my heroes who are here, who are standing up. So just to knock, again, not to knock my down, my, myself down a few notches. I did say, I, I did say rising scholar. Yeah, okay. I did say rising scholar <laughs> okay, now. But, you know, but anyway, yeah, I'm like yeah, them. Yeah, I'm yeah, learning yeah. like them and I'm learning from well, the, so the real are. scholars so yeah. who I have access to on Facebook, man. And, and let's put the stress there right now is that we're not getting our education. I got out of prison and I'm looking for where's, where's the OPCs? Where's the PCAs? Where's, where's the RPCNAs or whatever Presbyterian church that I'm supposed to be going to, or it was supposed to be ruled and governed by the law of God. I'm going looking for them. Please build me up. Where am I getting built up on Facebook, on the internet, right? This, this medium that the, that the so-called pastors hate that the so-called elders hate, yeah. right? Is yeah. this this Facebook? What is it? What's and I'm being they built up it. here now. I'm going beyond my soteriology. Wow, ecclesiology. Well, who cares about ecclesiology, right? Yeah, that's that's in 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 essentials unity and and in non-essentials charity and all the all. Help me out, help me. Yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah. in essentials yeah. unity. Oh, in all the yeah, in in, in 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 the essentials. We have uh, unity, right. and in in the non-essentials, we have charity. Non-essential. Yeah. So right. yeah. so. Yeah, and uh, ecclesiology is one of those really, really, really non-essentials, right? But what I'm learning right. now and what I'm learning to apply now is that we are being governed by tyrants and we are being held down by tyrants. And mm. your common everyday Christian soldiers, like these, these, these men behind me, these young men back there behind me, I, I can't even in good conscience take them to church yeah. on a regular basis and tell them to submit to some elder on a regular basis. Because there's nobody who's going to lead us into the war. Oh, so what wow. we have now wow. is right. is Come we're on. having to go to the internet. We're having to go fellowship with the universal church because our local church has failed us, hasn't it? Oh, hey, our local church goodness. has failed us. So we're going to have to go. Uh, let me gonna, let me read let me read y'all a quote from Nick Perez right here and the, and the kind of statement that he made on Facebook, uh, kind of like a here I stand type of statement. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is this is this is part of it. I regret to inform you that there is no other possible explanation for the state of the culture, not that you offered one. It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is charged with the task, endowed with the authority, and given the tools to footstool Christ's enemies. The fact that the gates of hell do stand before us is proof that we have failed. You have to come to terms with this reality. You and the other of the of Gideon's three hundred must come to terms with this reality. But I believe that there's a paradigm shift going on, and the pastors hate it. We had a pastor on on, on Facebook the other day yeah, saying that's why I don't go on Facebook, right? Well, we don't blame you <laughs> because it's undermining your structure, your power structure. It's undermining your popedom, right? Yeah. And common Christians are realizing that you're not a real elder after all, right? You've never mm-hmm. set a boot on the ground in your whole ministry, right? 
And, yeah. and matter of fact, you've taught the Christians that the ministry is hiding inside of our church here. I'm the minister, right? Yeah. You guys are here to shut up and listen and to be submissive and just to do what you're told. Yeah. And when you and and really this collectivist mindset is what it is. And now the individual is being liberated by being by having access to the universal church. The individual is being liberated to go out and put his boots on the ground to go out and footstool Christ's enemies like you're talking about. Praise God for it, man. War Praise room, God for boots it. Boots on the ground. Uh, 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 Brother Nick Perez dropping it for us. And look, that is pastors hate, generally speaking, pastors hate Facebook. Because if you're a pastor in the ministry industrial complex, and I mean, picture it. You have this authority in your house, right, in your religious club. Everyone looks to you as the one that rightly divides the word. You're receiving these guilt offerings, you know, from the sheep and some from the goats. You're receiving this, right? And you have this flock and it's yours. And really, I mean... You know, you might say a few things from the pulpit here and there, but when it comes to actually mixing it up with the God of the age and advancing the ball for Christ's army of footstool and the enemies of Christ, that's a little costly. So you want to kind of keep it, you know, with the with the general platitudes, but never specific, never actually yeah. acts to the root, right? The pastor is the goal between between God and man, right? He is the great high priest. He's the, yeah, he's the, right. Yeah, and, but what uh, Facebook does, yeah, yeah what we, Facebook does now it exposes that same pastor. Yeah. To mature believers who are out there looking and saying, oh, goodness, you're, you asked who, who Nick Perez's elders are. That must mean you're an elder. So let's try you out a little bit. What happens if a kid it goes to an uh, Islamic school from your congregation? What would you do? Well, I, I mean, they would never go to an Islamic school. Yeah, but they would go to a secular humanist indoctrination center funded by uh, theft, right? They would go to that, right? There's nothing about that. Oh, well, you know, how dare you? Uh, what were you? Should there be church discipline for public schools? And ah, I hate Facebook. You guys are, you know, who are your elders? And, and you have just shown that you're not an elder at the gates, but instead you're posing as an elder. Yeah. So what, so what we're doing is, again, this is the goal between. This poser as the elder is the goal between bring me all your offerings, like you said. Yeah. And this is the reason why. The church is dead. This is the reason why religion in America, we call it Christianity, reformed Christianity at that is yeah. dead, right? Let's sit in here and let's, let's, let's fine tune the tulip while we have warriors over here on the ground now, right? And this yeah. is what's going to happen. When you remove the go between, between God and men, and, yeah. and you have the head of every man is Christ, the Lord, yeah. you have warriors like this and you, you're going to go out and you're going to have Acts 17 normative Christianity and Thank God for Facebook, man, because if I can't go to my local OPC or to my or, or to my PCA church to be built up and to be trained for war, I can go on Facebook and I can talk to Tony. Right. Or I can or and, and I can meet local men like Tony and like and, and like Alex and like Arnold and like all of my brothers and sisters around Los Angeles. I would not have met him without Facebook. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. It's a tool. It's, it's a tool of dominion. And, and, and funny, I went yeah. to the Babies Are Murdered Here guys, right? And yeah. I got I got a hold of them first, and I said, hey, how do I get a hold of local people who are fighting this war? 
and they didn't want to put me in touch with AHA. <laughs> they didn't, well, they have their, you know, they, 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 well, there's some, but uh, man, help me out, man, help me. So I had to go out and search for them myself. My local church wasn't going to put me in touch with them, right? Yeah. They don't know anybody with boots on the ground. No, right? no, no, no. So yeah. the babies are murdered, guys. Yeah. The, 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 the ecclesiocrat church worshipers, local church worshipers are not going to put me in touch with them. But Facebook it's true. put me in touch with Tony and yeah. with Annette and with Arnold. And with my local warriors, and now I'm being trained by them. You want to know who my elder is? My elder is the man right here who's been on the front lines mm. decades before I was, and I'm out there learning from him, right? Oh, I have the theology, fine. He's got the boots on the ground. He's got the experience. That's my elder right there. Yeah. Okay, these people who are warriors out there, I don't mind calling you elder. You're not a theologian, but you're a warrior. Mm. You're out here fighting for these babies, for the least among us. Right? Go in, not just the babies. Amen. We want to see. So, so at this at this point in time, look if we have if we have anybody from the uh, from from Facebook audience here that would like to pump a question in, uh, Wayne Groover says, uh, "My man Wayne, <laughs> Wayne is hilarious." By the way, I mean, it, it, man, it's just absolutely funny. Like roll on the ground, hurt your stomach, funny. <laughs> Uh, Wayne Groover says, and then there were those who recognized the hierarchy and desire to climb. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there and that's it. I mean, it is a very comfortable life for a professional in the ministry industrial complex. If you're in a little 501c3 ghetto carved out for you by the pagan state and you are tolerated by the state to stay right there and to practice your pseudo kingdom religious club festivities with scripture verses mm. and, and sacraments that deny the reality behind the sacraments, communion with Christ, but not demonstrating the actual fact that Christ, that Christ's bride is supposed to be a- a- attending to his affairs mm. on the earth. So how can we have communion with the head if the body isn't out there actually functioning like Christ? It's a fake level of communion. It's, 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 a, it's cracker and juice around and up and down the aisles or come to the front. If it's not actually taking place in the world, if it's not actually footstooling the enemies of Christ, what do we show, have here? Show them our Bible over there, brother. Show them our Bible. Which, which is this? We don't have any ordained elders in here. Yeah. But we have Christians who come together. Yeah. We're remembering our Lord, our King, until yeah. he comes, and we are actually training each other, building each other up, the body fitly joined together joints and marrow, building each other up until we all come into the unity of the faith because there are no real elders around Los Angeles. I haven't found any. You guys know any. Please direct me to one. Um, but but we've got common Christians who are soldiers, and the head of each of us is Christ, holding each other accountable, and we are, guess what? We don't have an elder in here to break the bread, but we're breaking the bread. And by the way, I don't remember the Bible commanding us to have an ordained elder to break the bread. Oh, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't see that? No, I missed it, that. It was third. It was Third Timothy uh, three six uh, through nine. Okay. Second opinions, <laughs> uh, verses seven through eight, and 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 first little Pope. The whole first chapter is dedicated to the fact that you must have an ordained sacrament official over your religious festivities. That's right, that's right. That's right. Or else you're not going to be able to partake of that cracker okay. and that juice. So I'm going to need you to put that away, mm-hmm. okay? We're not going to have communion until we need to call somebody, you know what I'm saying, like who can actually yeah. officiate, officiate that. That was after, must have been after the Council of Trent, and there 
extra biblical canon, right? We came up with our own yeah. American ecclesiocratic okay. canon, right? We started adding our own books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right the Bible next, was not good enough. Right next to cessationism, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Look, we're going to get too deep. Hey, Ouch. so what do we have? We have uh, uh, Rick Small, my man, my man Rick. Abolitionist Rick swinging the axe at the gospel, just looking at Wayne makes me laugh. Uh, hey, got you, Wayne. That was read live on the War Room, Boots on the Ground special section. Special session, and uh, uh, is my man way is it? Yeah, uh, Arnold. If I knew there was wine, I would not have missed it. Hey, don't you know? Look, Jesus. Hey, here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. Jesus turned. The great the, Jesus, Jesus turned the water into grape juice and wafers, and there was enough for everybody to be served by a little ecclesiocrat, and everyone was satisfied. And they went back to their houses after they left the church. Yeah, don't come hungry. Don't come. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what else? What else do we have? We love you, Arnold. Uh, boots on the ground, my man. Uh, uh, Arnold is always out there, uh, rocking it for the uh, for the gospel of God. Uh, what else, What else do we have here? Uh, my man, ah, yeah, my my man, uh, uh, my man Ryan Collins, real pastor up there in Illinois. Shout out, uh, love you, brother. Uh, gonna gonna get yeah, just too too many too many people over here to mention everybody. But uh, hey, if y'all don't have any questions, look, um, why don't you uh, close us out with a uh, with a little bit of an exhortation, Nick? What would you like to say? Actually, you know, I got I got a quick exhortation. I'd like to get off my chest. We all I always say this too. So, but after I go, I want you to go. I want to speak directly to my to my Reconstructionist brothers and sisters out there, okay? It is not acceptable, all right? It is not acceptable to sit there and just amass the knowledge in your head, all right? And, 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 and just keep feeding yourself and then, you know, regurgitate a blurb here and there on social media or say something on a podcast or something like that and not actually demonstrate what it looks like to institute the law of God in every area of life with boots on the ground. Reconstructionists should be the most active activists in the church because Reconstructionists know what the idols look like. They know how ugly the idols are. They know that the victory has already been promised. They know what it looks like to swing the acts of the gospel of God against these idols knows that it, it knows that lives depend image bearers of God are going to die if justice isn't instituted and die brutally if justice isn't instituted you know that the the, the it, uh, reconstructionists can even see abolitionists at work and say oh these abolitionists are good on abortion but they're bad they're they're really supporting the same idol with the police and all this other stuff mm. so they have the vision but most recons I know I mean this is just straight up most recons I know do not have one video of them out there with boots on the ground. Not one. And yet it's not about actually having the video. If you're out there and you just don't record the videos, then obviously, you know, that's uh, totally cool. 100%. But be real. Come on. Be real with your boy Joe Salon. I'm nobody. You know, you're faking it. You're out there. You're reading Rush Dooney. We got the bumper sticker, read Rush Dooney. <laughs> but we're not doing it. We're not putting it. We're not. We're not actually doing what it says. And yeah, we ought to read North. We ought to read Rush Dooney. We ought to read Bonson. We ought to read Chilton. We ought to read my man Bo Marinoff. I mean, reading Bo Marinoff is like reading all these guys. 
put together because he's read every single page and can retain it all and give it to you in that Bulgarian accent, root accent, right? With his stuff on the top of it. My man, Joel McDermott, you know, uh, I, I mean, the list goes on, uh, you know, you know, but it's it's not enough. If, if we're not actually doing these things, like Jason Sanchez says, if we're not actually practicing these things, we can talk about them all we want. But we are just more guilty because now we have a bigger responsibility because of the truth and the illumination that God has given us. Awesome, awesome. So hold on, let me let me pause my because I got something for you abolitionists too. I got a question from Rachel. Uh, let's see here. What do we got here? Rachel, what do you say to a Christian who commands you? Rachel Haggerty, what's up, sister, out there in Nevada? Uh, what what do you say to a Christian who com- who com- who commends you when you're out in the culture agitating? How do you spur them on? Closing the gap between moral opinion and moral action. Yeah, I was kind of touching on that right now. That actually leads me kind of into my next exhortation. Thank you, Rachel. Appreciate that. Abolitionists, look, actually, hold on, hold on. Let me, I, I got another thought onto that. To answer this directly, you, to close the gap between moral opinion and moral action, we need to, we need to make it 100% plain that moral action for the gospel of the kingdom of God against the secular humanist incubation centers, against the child sacrifice centers, bringing the gospel in a conflict with evil and darkness is not a special calling. It is not a special office. It is not something that you are not really expected to do that you can support with your money and then just go about your life. It is an it is regulative, normal Christianity. This is what you do if you are a Christian. You have, oh, I wake up. I have my prayer time, I get in my word, I I treat my family well, and I go establish justice. I hop on the phone, I I, I preach to my, you know that your your congressman, your senator actually have to listen to you when you call them? Their office has to, so you can preach, uh, you can use legislation to preach to these individuals. There's so many things you can be led by the Spirit of God to do. We have to close the gap, to spur them on. We have to... We have to forsake this temptation to receive the praise of man or the praise of woman saying, oh, you guys are out there. You you ladies are out there. How brave of you. How awesome that you're out there doing this. Like, I wish I could do this or or, or it's just so tremendous. Like, like, praise God. Do you want some money? Like, we need to stand right there and look them right in their face and say, do you know what? This is what everyone should be doing. And there's nothing special about me. If you knew who I was, you wouldn't really think there's that, there's that much special about me either. The only reason you're giving me any credit is because I'm doing something you're not ready to do. You're not willing to do because you're, rege- you're being disobedient to God. So I call you to repent. Boots on the ground, front lines right here. There is no revival without repentance. Everyone says the church needs revival, but yet when you say church repent, then they all get upset. They all get upset. So you can compliment me. It takes a lot. It takes a lot to take that compliment and to stuff that compliment because it's not genuine. It's admiration that's not godly. What Paul did throughout the Roman Empire was supported by Christians, but by Christians who were emulating him as he emulated Christ, doing the same thing. Paul wouldn't go into a congregation and 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 receive their praise and they weren't doing anything. He would reject that. And we need to do the same thing. This is normative Christianity. So 
before uh, 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 Nick closes us out, I got I got a uh, an exhortation for abolitionists. Abolitionists, listen, y'all are my people. I'm an abolitionist, a marked out AHA abolitionist. Higher law destroys lower law. All right, what I'm about to say to you is not denominational. It's it's not about uh, oh you know you've you've ascended to a level of theology over here, but I kind of disagree theologically over here. This is not like anything like that. So I'm going to refrain from any buzz terms and buzzwords when I give you this, but I'm going to give it to you straight. All right, here's the thing: if you just are swinging at abortion, if you are just trying to abolish abortion with the law of God, but you're not looking at the big picture here. If you are just focused on ending abortion according to the Bible and not compromise. You're a radical pro-lifer. It's the truth. You're a radical pro-lifer. You're a radical pro-lifer because at the end of the day, we know that this is a holistic fight. We know that we can't end abortion in a vacuum. This is the sacrament to the God of the age. If you are supporting the God of the age in another area of life with your silence, with your apathy, or with, God forbid, in many cases, true though, active support, nationalism, uh, 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 pseudo-conservatism. This Moloch state feeds on the image bearers of God, not just in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the murderer's office at the mills, not just at Walgreens and CVS, not just in the IVF, IVF clinics, but also in the police stations, but also in the prison industrial complex where one out of three blacks will be locked in a cage for something that the Bible does not say is a crime. We are supposed to be the ones establishing justice. If we validate injustice over here, you think that we really, if we make that idol strong over here, you think we really can go to the Christianly acceptable portion of that idol and take it down? We've just made it strong. We've just made it strong. We have to get knowledge. We have to get wisdom. We have to humble ourselves. We have to realize that this is a spiritual fight. And the God we're fighting is not just committing a certain sin in a vacuum, but it is an octopus that is all over the place, flaring its tentacles. Do not make the other tentacles strong by trying to just cut off the low-hanging fruit of abortion. Every single area of life. And if you have a confusion about what what is the God of humanism and, and what ought I be swinging the axe of the gospel against, so on and so forth, if you cannot find a biblical justification for, for supporting the pagan state in its activities, if you cannot find a biblical exhortation from the whole count uh, justification from the whole council of God, then you are acting upon another standard. And when you act upon, when you admit another standard other than this standard right here, you are bowing to a different God. You are saying like Caiaphas, we have no King, but Caesar good enough for me. If it sounds Christian, if it's been Christianized through the past 70 years, you know, a lot of these policies, if you ask Christians during the, re the revolutionary era, if it was okay to have a roving band of, of executive state enforcers looking around at people's stuff and putting them in a cage, they would have thought you were a pagan. You ask yourself, historically, when did this become Christian?
Are we going to use the same argument that the left uses, that, that the humanists use it when they say, oh, well, it's a living, breathing constitution, you know, and we're just different people today. The constitution itself, is that a Christian document? We, the people, think through these things. We need to be warriors. We cannot be simple anymore. Slavery was, ab- black slavery was abolished. But look how it's manifested now. Does anybody think that slavery has ended in the United States of America and the Western civilization in general? Does anyone think so? Even with abortion, you can make it a case that abortion is slavery. That's what happens when you don't take the axe to the root. In, in 70 AD, the Jews for covenant faithlessness were destroyed. And it was a horrible scene. 66 to 70 AD. The Civil War was our 70 AD where we saw 750,000. 750,000 corpses left to rot in the field with slaughtered horses for covenant faithlessness. And yeah, they nipped the branch off and black chattel slavery was cut off. But was the God of humanism cut off? Did the federal Leviathan get bigger in the process? Were, were more? How many years did it take before one image bearer of God was sacrificed every 30 seconds on its altar? How many years did that take? Since, the, since black chattel slavery ended in 1865. How many years did it take before abortion was nationalized? How, how, who, do you, does anybody know what a ridiculous statistic it is to have one black person out of three in a cage? Does anybody know how ridiculous of a statistic? You're telling me that 33% of black people deserve to be in cages, have, have committed something that is worth being placed in a cage for an extended period of time? And you don't think that's a racist proposition? And then you want to look at it as a kind of, you want to throw terms around like cultural Marxism and stuff? You've been conned. You've been indoctrinated. You've been lied to. So abolitionists, come on, man. You know, use this right here. Get in the fight. All areas of life. Stop watering the tree on the other side and swinging the axe on this side. Straight up. Hey, Nick, uh, take us home real quick, brother. I can't add to that, that's for sure. You, You already took... The words out of my mouth and then some, and then added some eloquence. I still, <laughs> and then hey, and then and then added some some what? So, some swag. And then added some swag on that thing. What am I gonna do now? But man, I thank God for you, bro. I thank God for Reconstructionist Radio. I thank God for my warriors who are leading me and teaching me who I'm learning from. And if I'm gonna exhort anybody, I don't think you hit the the recons hard enough. But I have two families. The way I look at it, I have two families. I come from the I come from the gangster churches. Right. All these people get out of jail. All these veteranos get out of jail and they want to they want to serve the Lord and they have no idea what that looks like. And they just they're trying their best and they have the emotionalism religion. Right. And all they know is Jesus died for their sins and they're really Christians. Love them. Right. Love them. At least they're not cessationists. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're emotionalists. I want to encourage one man to get with somebody who can talk to you. Get with somebody who can teach you what the law of God is. Get with somebody who can teach you why this culture is failing, right? Mm-hmm. And if any of my people are out there, and I know I have my, my family and my friends in, in Kansas City and around Los Angeles who are going to watch this, please think about that. Please get with somebody and ask yourself why this culture is failing, why the, the Church of Christ was conquering for for 17, 18, 1900 years, and then once we started believing that Jesus was going to come and rescue us and the, the earth is supposed to get worse and worse, 
Yeah. Right. So, so the battle is theological. Think these things through. You're you're talking to the AHA people, man. Think these things through. And the and and the recon. Here we go. My other family, right? Yeah. My 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 reformed Christians, right? Who are theonomic. You're theonomic on paper, right? But these people, these AHA people, they're theonomic on the street. Straight they're up. theonomic in front of in 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 front of the culture, right? They're theonomic, getting spit in their face. When have we ever had? had our face spit at because we're theonomic. They're theonomic with spit on their face. Come on. Come on. What are we? Getting spit on the face in the fire. And they don't even know they're theonomic. Man, take an abol- <laughs> abolitionist by the hand and tell okay. a man the reason why you're an abolitionist is because you believe thou shalt not murder applies to every area of life more than I do. That's right. Man, let me follow you even while I lead you, man. We should be taking each other by the hand. Oh, everybody taking each other, taking advantage of everybody else's gifts. Mm-hmm. Learning from each other, the whole body fitly joined together. We don't need fake elders to lead us, man. We have the universal church at our fingertips, man. Take advantage. Go find a brother who can help you, who you can grow from. And, and, and man, let your heart be broken before God. He is nigh unto him who is of a broken and contrite heart. What did my brother say? He came before God and he said, who is the least of these? I was So you recons who are playing with reconstructionism and you don't want to push the antithesis and you don't want to admit the fact that taxation is theft, right? Because that's the, the, the pagan Austrian school or the libertarian, you know, the Murray Rothbards believe that, you know, but, but historic Orthodox, uh, a reformed Christianity, you know, teaches me that, that, that establishment civil magistrate is just as legit as establishment ecclesiastical magistrate right but you want to be ruled by men because you don't want to be ruled by god man take your theonomy seriously take throw your cessationism in the trash because that's really where you're getting that from because you will not be ruled by god you need a stronger man to lead you you need a nimrod to lead you right you need a stronger man to lead you because you don't believe in god enough to follow him you don't believe in god enough to fall on your face and say lord who are the weakest among us? What would you have me do? You lead me. The head of me is Christ. You want me to go follow a man? You bring that man to me. I don't have any obligation to go to a local popedom, local church, and go submit to some ordained ecclesiocrat. Lord, you show me who's fighting for the least among these. Man, these reconstructionists need to take their reconstructionism for real. Absolutely. And they need to go learn learn. A thing or two from the AHA, and 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 it's easy for us to be snobs, right? Sure. It's easy, man. We got it all figured out, man. We read Rush Dooney and Mark and Johnson, and, and man, I have all my books open all at once, right? It's easy for me. I got this thing figured out, right? Yep. And who are they? Who are they? Yeah, they're the ones out there fighting for the least among us. Oh, they're just some fishermen, you know, from from Norman and Galilee. They are your elders. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're yeah. submitting to yeah. some ecclesiocrat. They're your elders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Well, that's fire. Look, uh, appreciated y'all who joined us uh, on Facebook to to walk us uh, walk with us through the special boots on the ground. What does normative Christianity look like? As post millennials, we're optimistic. We're optimistic. We we don't have to save America. We have to use self government, family government, transform our household. The law of God is personal. Mm-hmm. All right, it doesn't apply to them. It applies to me first. All right. If we if we just seed our our household with the law of God and then those people that we that we meet, that we put in our circle, we don't sit in the council of scoffers 
Uh, but we, we, we surround ourselves with, with individuals who are, who are building up the body and, and actually taking the uh, ax to the root and, and, and establishing justice out there. If we do that, if we, if we focus on localism, this thing's going to be, this thing is going to be dangerous. Yeah. Normative Christianity. Check out allgodsmustdie.com. What is the other website for, for that? The 10th mark.com. Mm-hmm. If you were not familiar with what happened in Seattle, at the end, at the end of the month of September, just normative Christianity being practiced. Once again, this has been a special boots on the ground war room uh, with your boy Joe Salant, and uh, had with me uh, Nick Perez, Alex Saloco, Tony Canone, and, and, and stand up for the rising generation right here. We love y'all. Thank you for joining us in the war room. Please enjoy the nation's rage, Psalm Two, by My Soul Among Lions. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.